Find what makes you unique, and then let that be your guiding light. Don't ever lose sight of it. Welcome to the Better Each Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Joy is her stance and her flag is in the ground. Because despite so much darkness, there is always a light on somewhere, and she chooses to focus on that. Her new album, Joy, is about her experiences and how she came out of them with her light still on. Please welcome today's guest, Jackie Benson. You've traveled a lot. I see that you played in uh, Texas quite a bit, but I'm looking down here in Junior in Germany, the Netherlands, France. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. It was a pretty wild tour. It's coming towards like kind of the end, but honestly, I, I never, I'm never not touring. Like the, this official tour that you're looking at the list of that ends on September 15th. Um, and then after that, I am going to be home for like maybe a month. And you're, then, um, you're yawning. <laughs> then I'm going out. Yeah, no, then I go out to uh, East coast and, um, do like a five day run on the East coast out of nowhere just because we ended up landing this festival so might as well book around it and it happens a lot so people are like when's your next tour i'm like i don't know maybe november ongoing i think i'm going to i'm going to san diego in november i'm so stoked about that do you tour with another band or a group of bands or no i usually just tour solo or just with my drummer oh well, that's cool. Yeah. I saw a list of people that it looked like you opened for, Earth, Wind, and Fire being one of them. Yeah. that. Uh, so I went on tour with Gary Clark Jr. two years ago. We did 10 dates together over the summer. And uh, that's actually what opened up a lot of new cities to me. I played a show with him and was, I guess, had the wherewithal to get people's email addresses. And so then I built a crowd in a lot of the cities that I went to with him. And... Um, then from there, I I opened up for Earth, Wind, and Fire in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater. And uh, also in Austin, Texas, I opened up for Aloe Black at this event put on by the university called the Longhorn City Limits. So how fun is so, that? Yeah, these are probably musicians you've heard of since you were small, and now you're playing with them. That's kind of cool, huh? Yeah, it is pretty cool. What's really cool is the size of the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Cool to, it's cool to play in front of a ton of people who are eager to be there. 
you know, it's it's different when you're like playing, I don't know, maybe a, an early slot at a festival, or maybe it's like not really a festival. It's just like a citywide event. It's different because people are there for the event, right? Right. They're there to have a good time at the event, and yeah, they're happy that the bands are there and they'll listen. But that's not the primary reason they're there. Mm-hmm. What's cool when three thousand people are primarily there to be at that place to look at the stage that's a different feeling than playing in front of like a big crowd at like a big event you know what i mean yeah and and the roles are clear you're the performer they're the audience they came to see you you've got to deliver because they They drove some ways yeah exactly we all have a job to do (laughs) and it's just it's really cool do you write most of your material yes i do the only song on my uh on my on any of my records that I didn't technically write was a song called uh, Rolling and Tumbling on my record Joy. And uh, it's a really old song. It's like almost 100 years old. And um, everybody's covered it. Buddy Guy covered it. Oh. Buddy Waters covered it. Every, every blues man, and I guess even some blues women, have covered it and kind of tweaked it a little bit. They take the melody and they take the main words of the chorus but then they change all the words around it to fit their experience so i thought that was a really cool seemingly a tradition you know what i mean that was really cool and so i decided to do that on the new record because i wanted to include some blues yeah and uh so i thought i'd keep that tradition going and it's a song it's like track three on joy it's called rolling and tumbling yep and this it was written by this guy named like hambone something (laughs) <laughs> like in the 20s yeah yeah i can't remember his full name but i'm pretty sure it includes the word <laughs> that, that might be it <laughs> i don't know like well, Hambone, willie walker or some shit. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah there were a lot of nicknames like that back in back in the i guess there still are they're just different now yeah there are they're not like Hambone or like or like Jughead Sally or some shit. Like, something weird. <laughs> no, it's, it's always like something weird. DJ Jughead <laughs> Sally. No. Yeah, exactly. Now it's DJ, it's not Jughead Sally. It's DJ. Yeah, there's always something weird like that, and you can tell it was from the early 1900s. Well, I rolled and it tumbled. Cried the whole day through.
So you play a Stratocaster. Yes. Yeah, it's like a 2016 Fender Elite Stratocaster. It's cool. That Strat's one I of love the... It. Yeah, it's a, one of the most popular guitars in the world, I think. Uh, it's just because it's so versatile. Yeah. It's like if you want it to sound like a telly, you can make it sound like a telly. If you want it to sound like a jazz master, you can make it sound like that. You just kind of know exactly how to dial those tone knobs. And then if you want it to sound like a Strat, you can make it sound like a Strat. Even sometimes, depending on the tones you have available on it, you can even make it sound like a semi-hollow body. That was the whole point of it when they built it. They're like, we want a guitar that's not like, if you want to play that genre, you have to play this guitar. If you want to play this genre, you have to play that guitar. Fender was like, I want a guitar that nobody, that the person doesn't ever have to take off and replace with another guitar. And so they built a Stratocaster. And uh, that's why I love it the most, because I can't be traveling with like 20 guitars. No. And uh, I know that some people are like really hard in the telly camp. I get it. And telecasters are really, really cool when it's the right song for them. Yeah. But if you try to play certain songs on a telecaster, unless you've modified the telecaster, <laughs> um, it's just not right. It's just not the right sound. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I know exactly what you're talking play, about. Yeah, like you try to play jazz on a unaltered. Like, unless you put your own pickup on it, right? Yeah. If you try to play jazz on an unaltered Telecaster, it's like, what are you doing? It's just the wrong sound. And and then yeah. there's the Gibson camp with all the Les Paul people and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. They're they're all different. And it comes, I don't really, comes I don't really know player. much about Gibsons. I, I don't think they're as roadworthy as uh, Stratocasters. I think, like, the headstocks break because um, they're, like, at a slant a little bit. Yeah. And um, also the neck's shorter on those Les Pauls, so the frets are smaller. I don't like that either. But I don't really know much about the pickups and the tone, so can't really speak to that. Stick with what you're doing. It sounds great. I know a lot of people that are so into one thing or a certain year of a model and all that, and I just say, you know, if you're a good player, you're a good player. You could pick up anything, really, and play well with it. Yeah, the tone's in your hands. So Joy, I saw your Joy video and I think it's really cool what you're doing. There is a lot of just negativity out there. And really, in my lifetime, it's probably worse than it was in the 60s, it seems to me. Maybe it's because I was a child in the 60s and I didn't notice as much. But there's just a, a lot of, uh, we need you. Thank you for being here. I think it actually, I think it's, I think it's just as bad as it's ever been. But I do think that it is, like, I guess, I don't know if this is a word, but like perceptively worse. It seems like it's easy to perceive it as worse, yeah, because um, because of the access to information that we have. Yeah. So, like in the '60s, there was some pretty gnarly crap going on. You know what I'm saying? Like we had like the civil rights movement and and like uh, Vietnam War and and JFK had, had been killed and and I'm pretty sure MLK had been killed too. Oh yeah. And it was gnarly, and people were afraid. And um, but you guys didn't have Facebook, and you guys didn't have like a constant stream of news notifications dinging your pocket. You know what I mean? Like you knew about the stuff that was going on, but you weren't constantly every single second passing a store window with a 
flat screen TV in the window telling you about Trump for the 15th hour. And like, it, it, it wasn't worse. It's just that we have too much information now. And it's constantly stalking us. It's either ringing your pocket or it's on the TV in the bar you're at. You can't even go to the bar and relax. You know, like, we can't get away from the information. And so um, it is worse in a way now. But the actual happenings, you know, they're just as bad as they always have been. We're human beings. We have the same problems. They just come up in different ways. I see what you're saying. And it is a perception thing because it is just in our face all the time. Constantly. Yeah. When back in the 60s, yeah, there were like, at least where I live, there were three major channels and maybe a couple things you couldn't get very well. And there was evening yep. news, and you could shut that off. You can still shut everything off, but you have to be careful. It's bombarding you with stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. I guess where I'm going with this is you have to counteract it, and that's what you're doing. People are going to get stuck on it, addicted to the bad stuff, I think. And then you hear them saying, I'm talking about this because I know they don't want me to talk about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, it. well, how about this? Here's the kicker. I don't want you to talk about it either. Can we just have a drink and have a good time? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me a joke or something. It's like nobody wants you to talk about it because like, it sucks and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> it's like all we can do as citizens is, is vote. It's literally all we can do. And so like, in the times that we're not able to vote, it really sucks to just talk about all the stuff that's terrible in the world. It's oh. like there's nothing we can do about it, so can we just talk about something else? get creative and i'm not suggesting ignore the news i'm not suggesting be out of touch yeah i'm just saying like know what's going on know what you can do about it when you can do about it and then keep calm and carry on and try to enjoy your life the best you can you know what i mean i've been using the word balance a lot lately yeah you do have to know about that stuff and get a good feel and educate yourself as much as you can yeah don't let it like run your brain and then smell the roses because you'll miss the whole thing you'll miss your life Yes, exactly. But, you know, there's always been those people who, like, you know, the same people in the 60s when we didn't have all the Internet, the same people were, like, you know, reading books and constantly, like, searching for, you know, stuff to substantiate their theories. You know, they're they're the tinfoil hat population. They're always going to be there. (laughs) I think you're the tinfoil trying to connect with the mothership or something. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it was a boop, boop, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when yeah. you hook up. I might beam aboard and see what's going on in another <laughs> in another time warp. That actually reminds me of this. Uh, I was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Alamo Draft House in, in Austin. It's like this tradition where every Friday night at midnight they show that movie. Oh, man. And people show up in, like, costume oh, and stuff. No. And they also, like, do commentary, like the audience shouts out words and yeah. whenever it's raining they like start you know like they like put a bunch of water in their mouth and they start like spitting water in the air <laughs> to make it feel like it's raining or like if there's like this one part where there's like the mummy or whatever it is they like start throwing toilet paper in the air and stuff it's just this crazy interactive rocky horror picture show experience and there's this one part in the middle of the movie where they're all yelling out each other's names where it's like janet scotty they start like yelling out each other's names as soon as they yell out Scotty like Scotty someone in the audience was like beat me up this movie sucks (laughs) (laughs) Jim I'm a doctor beat me up this movie sucks (laughs) that movie was out when I was in college and I didn't see it till later on on television but yeah I was told it was interactive and people would 
dress up and take props and throw stuff yeah, and all that. Exactly. Maybe there's a, a yeah. future for that. Maybe the, I think you should write a musical and uh, <laughs> <laughs> might as well turn it into what it's trying to be. You're the chosen one. It's got to be you, Jackie. I just know you can do it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> good, man. I'll try to. I'll get to the drawing board on that one. <laughs> How do you go about writing? Do you dreamed songs? Do you uh, sit down and jot them down, or how do you do it? What's really crazy is that I've been asked this question, and I usually answer it one way. But then the other day, I was thinking about someone asked me the question again, and for some reason, I thought about it, and um, I don't really know. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you what I do. But when I when I come when it comes down to it, if you give me a song that I've written and you ask me how did you write that song, I wouldn't be able to answer you. I honestly don't remember. It's weird. So what happens is I sit down and I start to jam on the guitar. And by that I mean just like anything. I could be practicing scales. Maybe like I ran into something the night before that I tried to play and couldn't play it. So I'm like, I'm gonna remember that and practice that tomorrow, right? So I'll sit down to just practice. I'm not even thinking about writing a song. And I'll start jamming on the thing that I wanted to work on. And then sometimes I'll hit a wrong note in the process of working on that thing. Yeah. But the wrong note will sound like something else. Yep. And then I'll start jamming on that. And I'm not even doing the original thing I sat down to do. And then that turns into like a rhythm part for something else. And I'm like, whoa. Mm -hmm. So then I'll start looping that rhythm part because I have a looper pedal. It really helps. Yeah. I loop that part and I start playing melodies and notes over it. And then as far as the subject of the song goes, once I found like a cool rhythm part and a really cool melody that matches the rhythm part, I'll start to like, just like go into dreamland land as to what the song is about. I'm like, okay, this song is this chord progression and this tonality. What does it sound like it's about? Right. Yeah. And then, and then from there I'll start thinking of like little catchphrases that work with whatever the song sounds like it's about. And it's just really weird and strange, and it's like the stream of consciousness, mm -hmm. and there's no way to force it, and like it usually just starts by me just like practicing the guitar. Specific songs, I don't remember when I wrote them. I don't remember how I came up with the idea. I don't remember anything. It's like they were, they didn't exist, and then I worked on it for a night, and then they did. Okay, here's your hard assignment. I'm going to ask you, how do you write Only Have You? Now that you told me that, only have you. How did that come How about? How did I write? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me let me reach into the far corners of my memory. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote make you song. work this hard. I wrote that song. I do remember when I wrote it. I wrote that song somewhere at the end of 2017. Somewhere like in fall of 2017, I wrote that song. Okay. And I remember <laughs> I had loaded... These I I was working with this drum machine called a Roland SPDSX, and I had like also somewhere along the line I had this keyboard that had some really cool sounds on it, and I found these um, chords. Oh, I remember now. I was trying to think of an arrangement for another song I had written called Run, and um, I found these string chords because I wanted run to be more than just guitar, bass, and drums. I wanted it to include some kind of percussive string sound to do the chords instead of the guitar, right? I was like, okay, for once I want the guitar part to not be the rhythm part. I want it to be 
just a melody. And then I want the keyboard to be the rhythm part. So I was hunting around for these sounds and I found this really cool, what sounded like some kind of old music box strings, like vaudeville theater strings, right? And uh, I just started playing the chords to run and then I sampled them and put them on this SPDSX drum pad. So every time I would hit a pad, it would sound a chord. So then I was just like, you know, taking a break. Sometimes I like to take little mental breaks from hyper-focusing on a song. And I just started hitting the drum pads. It was like, bling, 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 bling. I was just just hitting them like a monkey. You know, like a monkey who (laughs) just found a new toy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I was just like, bling, 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 bling. I was just hitting them for like 20 minutes because I was just like taking a mental break, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden I found this chord order, which were the chords of run, but in a different order. And that's how I came up with that. If you listen to Only Have You, it's like, bling, bling, bling. And the bass line is in between it. So it's like, bling, ba-dum, bum, ding, bling, ba-dum, bum, ding, bling, ba-dum, bum. And it's, it's the string sounds. And that's, those were the string sounds I was screwing around with on the SPSX like a monkey. <laughs> and, and they just came out in this order. And I was like, cool, that sounds like a whole new song. And so I recorded it onto my phone and I started building that song like a few, few days later when I was you know, working on something else. But that's how the beginnings of that song came. I was just messing around with the chords of another song and a certain sound patch. Now, you see how exciting that is? Because I would have never figured that. And other listeners, they, it just sounds intentional. Like you knew exactly what you were going to do from the start. You got out of bed, you plugged in, you just whipped that song off, and that's how it came about. But not the case. Nope. I was just like, it was like a dog with a squeaky toy. He's like, squeak, 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 squeak. And then it was like all of a sudden, I was like, squeak, 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 squeak. Squeak, squeak, squeak. I was like, oh, cool, cool. <laughs> After like 30 minutes of just squeaking it.
It's a great song. I love it. Amazing. Yeah, it turned into something pretty cool. Amazing. It started off as chaos, and it turned into something pretty cool. (laughs) A monkey or a dog with a squeeze toy. We've got Noah's Ark going on right now. That's how it started. I'm serious. I was just like hitting these pads with no, like, I wasn't even hitting them in beat. I was just hitting them because it was fun to hit the pad with the drumstick. It was like a cool feeling. It just turned into like, it turned into that. Witchcraft. Oh, that song. So that was actually a rewrite. I wrote that. That was one of the first songs I ever came out with in 2012. Oh. One of the first songs, it was on my first EP called The Rolling On EP. I'll be impressed if you can find it. You'll probably be able to find it on YouTube, but I took it off all the major streaming platforms just because I was, I was so young and I wanted to kind of give those songs a second chance. So I rewrote Witchcraft from like this rock trio song and I don't remember at all how I wrote the original version. The second version, I just took all of the parts of the original version that I really liked and I got rid of all the parts that I thought were kind of weak and I rewrote the parts that were weak. So on the original part, on the original song, the verses were really strong. So the verse is the same as if you were to hear the trio version. But on the original song, the chorus was really weak. And uh, so I rewrote the chorus. And then also the uh, guitar breakdown solo section was really weak. And so me and the producer of the song rewrote that breakdown. His name's Nick Clark. He's a bass player. Mm-hmm. So he, he turned that into like a shared guitar bass breakdown section and then we added synthesizers and mogs and stuff and then it kind of turned into what it is right now i don't praise your god i praise the earth and the sky and the moon
I watched your video, Joy. Who all is on your video? It looks like you guys are having a good time. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's this guy named Tyrone. He's the one who, who smushed his face into the cake. <laughs> and then my friend Jen, she actually grew up next door to her. I used to play with her kids all the time. Uh-huh. And then now we're now that I turned into an adult, now we're friends. <laughs> so that was cool. Hey. And then, um, then a few other people just that I know around town, one of them's in a band. One of them is a fan of mine. He's in the JV squad. And uh, another one is just like a kind of fan slash friend I met over the years. And we just kind of put out a post on our Facebook group called the JV squad. And um, we were like, hey, if you can, you know, show up today at five o'clock. We're going to do this. And so those, that's who showed up. <laughs> it looks like those your friends. got the Facebook post. <laughs> Everybody's having a good time. So you just say, here's what we're going to do. Go for it. Yep. I'm like, you're going to wear these outfits and we're going to dance like this. Yeah, and they were like, okay. You're color coordinated. Yeah, that was actually the the director's name is Andrew Bennett. Um, it was his idea. Oh. Or maybe it was Dorothy. Dorothy's his wife. They run this uh, video company together called Bennett Creative. And um, they're the ones who came up with the treatment for the... Uh, for the song and uh, their idea is that in movies and television um, colors actually represent stuff like it's like a thing that's been going on ever since color movies have been introduced in the first place hmm. so like yellow represents joy and green represents envy and jealousy and stuff blue represents like like I don't know kind of like a sadness or like a melancholy and then purple represents like royal royalty and and like i don't know like uh self-empowerment oh i guess like yeah they found all this information when they were researching stuff and so um i guess and i think pink represents like uh greed or something like you want you want more than what you have you know uh, and uh, yeah i can't remember exactly what it is but if you watch the video again, knowing that, you can see that the things that I'm doing in each color kind of represent each color. I'm glad you told me that because I wouldn't have known. I knew there was some methodology behind it, but I didn't know. Yeah. That's cool. Totally. I should, I should maybe make that information available. It might make people, uh, maybe put it in the description of the video or something. <laughs> I think people might really appreciate that. 
<laughs> I just like color, so yeah, I, I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about it. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. When it was me and you, you ran away at something new. Realized I had been used. Now trust is hard to do. Not only tonight.
<laughs> so where all is your music available? Oh, pretty much everywhere. I can't really think of a platform that it's not available on. Some of my songs are like CD only. I have this this record called the Love Suite Limited Release. You can only order it on CD online on my website. It's not available digitally. But And then some of the songs are only available digitally and not available on CDs. So most of my stuff, probably a good 85% of my stuff is on Spotify, Tidal, Amazon, like all of them, anything that you listen to. And then some of them are like you can only get at shows. Well, I consider you a youngster because I'm an oldster, but <laughs> if you were going to give any advice, any tips to even younger people coming up that are interested in music, what would you say? Find find what makes you unique and then let that be your guiding light. Don't ever lose sight of it. Good advice. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. Better reach Dave. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we're on the same wavelength because you're doing joy and I'm doing better each day and that's the way I want it to be. Just trying to make the next day a bit better.